I am thrilled to introduce you to an exciting new storybook journey that I believe will capture your imagination. Allow me to present Langston Mangston's Kulamate Stand Adventure, a compelling short story that promises to transport you to a world of interest, excitement, and learning. The title of the book is Langston Mangston's Kulamate Stand Adventure by Chandler Hayes. In a world of colorful imagination and captivating stories, a new children's book has emerged to empower our young minds with crucial life lessons, life skills, and financial literacy. Langston Mangston's Kulamate Stand Adventure is a cheering short story written by a talented black author who understands the importance of equipping our youth in the early stages of life with the tools they need to navigate the realm of money, savings, and smart choices. Meet Langston Mangston and his imaginary best friend, Zonky, a pink elephant, two curious souls who embark on an adventure around the vibrant landscape of Wichita, Kansas, where Langston Mangston sets out to accomplish multiple goals and is met with obstacles that he must overcome. Langston Mangston and Zonky discover valuable lessons of talking about finances in the home in order to gain knowledge. Langston Mangston, with a little bit of confidence, the guidance of supportive parents, the help of community members like Mr. Tiller, and his imaginary best friend Zonky, Langston Mangston learns about the value of money and how to save, the importance of making thoughtful spending decisions, the significance of thinking outside the box when met with challenges, with money, and the joys of sharing with others. Through relatable experiences and emerging and, and engaging storytelling, Young readers are introduced to the fundamental concepts of money, such as earning, saving, and spending responsibly. Langston Mangston set savings goals, teaching children the importance of planning for future needs and dreams. The book celebrates diversity and the different perspectives on money, shedding light on its role in different people's lives. The characters' interactions emphasize the joys of serving others, the gift of sharing, and making a positive impact in their community. The pages of Langston Mangston's Kulamated Stand Adventure come to life with vibrant illustrations. The colorful and imaginative visuals not only captivate young readers, but also enhance their understanding of complex financial concepts. Langston Mangston's Kulamated Stand Adventure is coming soon to bookstairs and online realtors it is a must-have addition to any child's library, fostering essential life skills while sparking the joy of reading. Empower the young minds in your life with the gift of financial literacy and imagination. Join Langston Mangston, Zonky, family, and friends on their extraordinary journey of running a drink stand to set them on the path of a brighter future. Your opinion means a great deal to me. I would be honored if you would consider exploring Langston Mangston's Kulamate Stand Adventure and sharing your thoughts. Your feedback could play an invaluable role in shaping the future of this project. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to discuss the book further, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Your support in spreading the word about Langston Mangston's Kulamate Stand Adventure would mean the world to me, and I deeply appreciate your consideration. I am a passionate advocate for financial literacy me um, Chandler Hayes um, and and am excited to join the community of storytellers with a background in finances I 
am driven to inspire children to embark on their own adventures of learning and discovery through the power of literature. Langston Mankson's Cool Amaze Stand Adventure is a heartfelt endeavor to promote financial literacy in a fun and accessible way. As a black author, I'm committed to providing children of all backgrounds with the tools for success, and I am proud to contribute to a more financially informed generation. Thank you for taking the time to explore this advertisement. And I look forward to the possibility of sharing this extraordinary literature adventure with you. Please feel free to contact me. Uh, you can reach me at the email c287gph at gmail.com. All right. Thank you. Warmest regards. Have a great day. God bless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> My bad. <coughs> This is Chairman Hustle Barf. What's poppin', man? Sweetheart. Hope everybody's having a wonderful... Let's check. What's today? Oh, gosh. My phone's going through a... It's an operating system upgrade. Okay. I think I'm finished. All right. Bet. All right. Goodness, man. This thing is glitching. All right. All right. Goodness. Come on, man. Every time you do one of these, it's like the phone doesn't operate the same. All right. December 2nd. Saturday, December 2nd. Hope everybody's having a wonderful day. Uh, getting all these notifications. I haven't, to be honest, I I just woke up and, uh, was about to, you know, was about to start doing a little bit of research. Uh, yeah, I gotta do this. Y'all don't understand. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the bills keep flying in. No income is flying in. My man told me if you let that keep happening, your upkeep will be your downfall. So I'm, I'm out here pressing. I got to get this shit right. Um, what else is happening? Um, bills keep flying in. No income's coming in. Uh, don't always know where the next meal or whatever's coming from. It's not that bad to the extent. I'm, uh, again, at the end of the day, um, I am, you know, just suburban raised. If I, I guess at the end of the day, if I really needed to, uh, I could go knock on some doors and people who've always supported me and, you know, I'm pretty sure there's some people out there that would love to support me and then start giving me advice. Oh, man. Yeah, sure, sure. Go ahead, come in. I'll give you some money and I'll give you a bed to stay in. But, yeah, we need to talk. We all saw this coming a mile away. It's like, man, here we go. Here we go. This is why I don't take advice or money from anybody. You know? It's like, dude. Because this is what I'm not saying. I'm, sometimes you need that, right? I'm not for it. You know what I'm saying? I guess if somebody would say, I think somebody one time, uh, it was uh, an associate of mine, basically told me I wasn't a real man because I wasn't willing to have real conversations. I essentially said, you know what? I'm good off of stopping by over here. And I even told him, I was like, how about this, man? Because uh, it was just an associate. I was like, look, man, it's probably best trying to tell you. You know, we don't got to hang out, man. We good. I think you served your purpose. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you've been a great associate to hang out with, but now you're kind of going a little bit too far, uh, you know, with the, with the advice. So I'm, I would seriously suggest that, uh, um, you know, let's just go ahead and just, you just go chill, you know, hang out your way. I'm going to hang out mines. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I'm like, yo, 
you see how toxic of a person I am. Do you really want to hang out with me? I'm, I'm a terrible person. You know? They're like, all right, cool, man. If you need your space, that's right, right. You know, if you need your space, you need your space. I appreciate it, man. Because I got to figure this shit out on my own. You know what I'm saying? I can't. I'm in my mid-30s right now. Um, starting to get on the late end. I'm 36, about to turn 37. Um, uh, so, um, getting to a point where if maybe you haven't experienced this, but, um, I've been, for lack of better words, let's just say a follower, uh, for 15, 16 years, you know? Um, and what I mean by that is I've been following the path, the beaten path from and this is not the path if you talk to anybody who's ever talked to me they'll say naturally chan has always been attracted to the the unbeaten path i've always since i was a little one i was always i remember the first time i stumbled across a no second yeah the first time i stumbled across like one of those electrical field i don't even know how you call it it was like a field with electrical towers i'm just out riding my bike you know, uh, just as a little one, eight, nine years old, just riding my bike. And of course, when you're that age, your parents tell you, hey, don't leave. You know, I'm not trying to sound, make it. I told you I'm, I'm a suburban kid. So uh, I'm not trying to make it sound like that. But that's when your par- parents say things like, hey, don't leave the block. You know what I'm saying? Essentially, the block, just, you know, whatever it is, square mileage or something. You know what I'm saying? So just kind of stay within this block. I'm even kind of doing it with my little one right now, uh, which is getting time when they're like, hey, can I explore a little bit more? Like, can I go to the next block over? You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, okay, I, I can't see you over there, but, you know, just, you know, come back around in about 20, 30 minutes. Just loop around so I can at least see you. And then if you want, you can go to the next block over. I'm, I'm even kind of doing it right now. You know what I'm saying? But, um, and I, I would, I... I was always an explorer, so yeah, I'm one of those like if you uh give a mouse a cookie or if you give you know if you give me an inch, you know what I'm saying, so you know I'll ride that block, I'll ride that block, but then there's that day mom's taking a nap, she's not watching, I know she's asleep because uh when I went to go ask her if I could go ride my bike she she was asleep, I said, "Hey, mom, can I go ride my bike?" She said, "Yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah, go ahead, so I'm like, all right, boom, all right, I know she's knocked out, right." Riding my bike, riding my bike. And I'm like, all right, it's time that I take this to the next level. So she's going to be asleep probably for about 30 minutes. Let me go. Ride my bike. They say, no, I don't know what turn I'm in or whatever. I come across this field, and I actually get off my bike, and I start walking. I start walking. They say, no, I start seeing these tall towers. And I, and I didn't know anything about them, but I knew they were electrical. I think they may even had a sign on them. It was, and it was probably no more than three of them. It was probably three tall tires or whatever. And I was freaked out. Matter of fact, I think I, I'm not sure. I think the second time I found an electrical tower field, I called my brother, not the first time. I may have called my brother and be like, yo, you got to come see what I found. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I think he may have got on his bike and came with me, you know, and uh, I was like, look at this. And since that age, my, my people's even told me, Chan, even before that age, when you were born you know like they they said we knew who you were and it's funny when you're when you have children i knew who my children were before they were born like 
I'll tell you real quick. You know what I'm saying? I'm a little sensitive talking about personal shit because I still got a lot of shit going on, man. I have some terrible shit going on uh, with people. And uh, see, like, um, I I got a phone, a phone call yesterday. Somebody, you know, just, I guess as people say, breaking my balls, or breaking my back or whatever, giving me a hard time laughing. Ah, yo, I heard you getting divorced. Yo, I heard, yo, I heard this shit. Yo, I'm so, I'm happy. And I'm like, what the fuck? This is one of those motherfuckers you just hate. You know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck do you want? You know, just full of hate. That You hate them and they're just full of hate. Ah, I'm just happy. Yo, Theo Huxtable ass is finally going through some shit. I'm happy. You need this. You're always living that Theo Huxtable lifestyle. You know? I'm like, man, all right, all right. Well, at least you're honest, you know? We, yeah, you're always living your perfect lifestyle. Now you got some smug across your name and you're getting divorced. Some real shit. You need this. You know, I'm just like, wow, man. And as much as he was joking, I also took it as he was serious, too. Like, and I'd be telling him, i tell him, like, look, man, it's not me, man, okay? If you want to get mad, blame God. You want to talk to someone, go talk to God, okay? Because I did not mean to be, and trust me, this is not the first person I heard. I, I started hearing this comment when I was, like, again, eight, nine years old. I'm not even kidding. I, I, my first experience with it. Uh, and I'm not going to say who, but it's typically it's the people closest to you. You know what I'm saying? Especially at that age. Uh, you know, I, I, for a long time, I didn't really have, I would say, like, friends. I had friends, classmates and everything. But when I was in the Midwest, uh, that's where my family was a little deeper. Out here on the East Coast, we're not so deep. And going back and forth in the Midwest kind of died over the last whew, 15 years. We used to go back, but over the last 15, 16 years, it's, it's really died. Um, occasionally, I do reach out uh, to a cousin or auntie that I can remember because uh, I've even kind of lost my memory of all the people. Um, but occasionally, yeah, I'll reach out. Oh, yeah, I do remember that person. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, my bad. I lose my train of thought. Um yeah, but essentially, uh, I can't remember what I was talking about. But regardless, uh, we're just going to keep moving. Um, what was I talking about? Just talking about, uh, oh, the the little ones. Um, oh, what was I going to say about the little ones? Uh, I'm trying to remember uh, real quick because it's going to come right back to me. Give me one second. Introducing the Listener Support Program. Feeling the future and quality of House of Barf. Dear loyal listeners, at the House of Barf, we strive to bring you the most engaging, informative, and entertaining content every day into the world of business, accounting, regulation, and finance. We strive to provide you with expert knowledge, practical tips, and thought-provoking discussions to help you excel in your financial endeavors. We are dedicated to fostering meaningful conversations, sharing valuable insights, and creating a community of like-minded individuals who are passionate about business, accounting, regulation, and finance. Producing high-quality content requires dedication, resources, and effort from a talented team of one, me, but in the future, you know, hopefully I'll have a team. That's why we are excited to introduce our listener support program. This initiative allows you, our cherished audience members, 
to play a pivotal role in shaping the future and the content and assuring House of Bar's sustainability. In the future, becoming a supporter, you will be able to enjoy a range of exclusive benefits. Benefits that I'm hoping to be able to bring eventually, early access to episodes, um, access to episodes that are not, you know, public, uh, you know, that are not accessible to everyone, possibly even um, create better content. And then all those mistakes I make, maybe I'll put them in a separate episode. You'll be able to get some behind the scenes stuff um, uh, and other uh, exclusive um, um, things such as merchandise. Possibly I have, uh, you know, a children's book coming out, maybe able to offer that uh, your support goes directly towards enhancing the quality of our content, expanding our reach, our research and investing in new resources and technology to bring you even better experiences. Your contribution will help us continue to deliver thought-provoking discussions, captivating stories, and insightful inter... Oh, no, sorry. I didn't mean to say that. Um, may, in the future, may possibly interview someone. Uh, that will keep you engaged and inspired. Join me, us... In shaping the future of House of Barf by becoming a supporter today. Your generosity empowers us to keep our conversations alive and ensures that we can contribute to provide valuable content to audiences around the United States and hopefully in the future of the world. To support us, simply visit podcasters.spotify.com. Then you can get to House of Barf. Um, also, it is on Spotify. And um, support this podcast and become a supporter and choose a membership tier that aligns with your preferences. Every contribution, no matter how small or how big, makes a meaningful impact and is deeply appreciated. Thank you for being an essential part of our journey. With your support, we can reach new heights and create content that truly resonates with you, our incredible listeners. God bless. Happy listening. I'm Chan Man. This is House of Barf. Again, if you would like, you can visit podcasters.spotify.com backslash pod backslash show backslash Chan hyphen man seven. And you can go to support this podcast and become a supporter today. Thank you. You can also reach me at C287 gph at gmail.com thank you again you have a wonderful day god bless yeah yo yo what's good it's chairman house of barf my bad i had to cut that off and uh just going back trying to get back on track what i was discussing but yeah just essentially even yeah i was talking with my little ones i even knew who they were uh based off in um um in the belly in the belly knew who they were uh one was a little bit lazier quieter didn't move damn near at all and another one was a kicker you know so when they came out their personality matched what we kind of suspected you know what i'm saying so you know um yeah just kind of just kind of just had that personality um myself as well kind of explore out there 
I uh, can't even remember what I was talking about that for or whatever, but just, we'll just keep going. So as far as House of Barf, again, thank y'all so much to anybody and everybody who decides to take time out of their wonderful day to come kick it with me. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, seriously, even um, I put a, uh, you know, I just I just talk because it's just whatever. Uh, I put out an episode, I promise, at midnight yesterday or this morning i guess technically put episode out at midnight uh around that time i finished my pdf uh called the candlestick bible or the charting bible something like that and it was actually in my personal opinion a pretty good pdf i actually enjoyed it um here i'll pull it up and let's see if there's a couple concepts in there i wouldn't mind going over right now because again i really don't have anything uh planned or titled I mean, you know, let me go ahead and see real quick. Um, I had this sound playing uh, before I dozed off yesterday. What was dumb shit? It just came on and I left it. I don't know if you can hear it. I said, you know what? Just I'm just gonna let that play because I need this right now. It's called Inner Balance. After I watched, because uh, I was with the candlestick, I was uh, I pulled it up on YouTube and I had the PDF as well, and I just followed it along. Um, let's see. So I'm gonna go ahead and just let's see real quick. Oji, it is formed when the open and close are the same, or about the first pocket. The gravestone doji, the gravestone doji, is the bearish version of the dragonfly doji. It is formed when the open and close are the same, or about the same price. What differentiates the gravestone doji from the dragonfly doji is the all, all it basically is is they take I didn't see anything more than two candlesticks. Uh this PDF was probably about a hundred pages. Um I didn't see any uh if I'm correct. Um now this candlestick thing, I believe this may have been for Forex, I'm not sure. However, um I think you can kind of use it. Uh, and you can kind of just use it, if I'm correct. Uh, so even so, I may use it for the option market and whatnot. Uh, let me see. Um, what else is up there? Uh, let me go to, uh, let me see, 1350. 1350 was an engulfing. This one was two candlesticks. Um, here, I'll go. I, I didn't see anything more than two candlesticks. States in its title is formed when it fully engulfs the previous candle. The engulfing bar can engulf more than one previous candle, but to be considered an engulfing bar, at least one candle must be fully consumed. Okay, so okay, so that just said it can be more than two. Like it, I guess it can engulf three or four candlesticks, just as long as it's an engulfing. But then there's also bullish. I believe engulfing. Let me see. Where's do they go? Is there a book? There's definitely one for each. Let me see. So that's the bearish one. <sighs> Excuse me. I apologize. Okay, let me go over. The, let me. I just want to take a look at this bullish um, engulfing. Other technical tools to confirm your entries. 
We will talk about this in details in the next chapters. Right now, I just want you to open your charts and try to identify all bearish candlestick consists of two. See the illustration. One is the small body, from the bullish engulfing bar consists of two candlesticks. The first one is the small body, and the second is the engulfing candle. See the illustration. Well, okay, well, it looks just like the bearish. Let me go back to the bearish one. But okay, essentially, when it comes to bullish and bearish, uh, okay, yeah, let me guess. This one's at the bottom. Uh, this is at support levels. Yeah, yeah, okay. So bearish is at resi resistant level, bullish engulfing. Uh, I, I know, I'm just, I, I just was reading this. And so, even with those candlestick patterns, I think it's very usable, even on options and stocks. I'm going to be using it, which, again, I'm not trying to sound like the expert or I know everything, but I kind of have been, kind of fell off. A lot of stuff, like, because there's so much information and so much out there. I'm not even trying to be funny. This is one reason why I really don't tell a lot of people that I'm back to trading in my portfolio. Because once I do, there's so much information. Everybody just starts sending so much. Some a lot a lot of it is valuable information. However, uh I still remember uh when I uh, got a new role at my previous previous job. And one of my coworkers was like, man, this job is like drinking through a fire hose. And I bust out laughing. Like, when they said that, it was just, I could have had water in my mouth. And I think I, like, just, like, because uh, it was just funny. Because literally, you know, you went uh, you went from, you know, just chilling to now this, like, okay, we got to ramp this up or scale up or whatever it is. I don't know what the fuck. Um, so there's a lot of information that keeps coming. And what can happen is... As I stated, even uh, on the last one, is brushing over information. You can kind of start, I wouldn't say brushing over at the same time, yes, that too, but also cutting corners. Brushing over, I think it's kind of considered if there's something that's like, that's sticking out to you, but you're just so consumed and you got so much going on that you kind of just brush over it. You see it. You may not know exactly what it means. You may know what it means a little bit, but you just kind of like, for example, if there's... Um, so, for example, one of my uh, on the option chain, uh, there was these numbers on the side. Uh, there was an implied volatility numbers. I've seen these numbers for years. I mean, four or five years. Never. I just didn't even pay attention to them. Then one day, my boy came to me and was like, yo, what are these numbers that are on the side? And I said, you know what? I never looked into it. So we sat down and we looked into it. Probably took us. 20, 30 minutes to figure it out together. And and that may not sound like a long time, but that's a long time. And I appreciate it. That's one thing I appreciate about when you have multiple minds on something is that now we're both working and trying to Google and figure this out. And we figured out that those numbers were the implied volatility numbers. These numbers have always been sticking out to me. I've always wanted to look them up. Never took the time. So I would say that's more brush over. On the other end, there's what I would call cutting corners where... Uh, you may want to take that extra step, you know what I'm saying? But based on, like, for example, I could be wrong, Delta uh, with the Greeks. Delta does not, I don't believe technically means the percentage of chances of this ending up in the money or out of the money. I believe it's something like the, uh, let me see, um, what the contract, uh, what the contract price should do um, 
based on a $1 change of the underlying, if I'm correct. Delta options. Um, I'm going to do black girl stock. Let me see if she does it. I'm going to try to find if she did a short on this girl stocks. Um, okay. Uh, she didn't do a short, but let me see if I can kind of just, I love it when the, uh, the customers are, are the, um, uh the the comments i love it when somebody in the comments just puts the whole thing together like they're like at this time but it doesn't look like anybody did on this one uh because i just want to go straight to when she talked about delta. okay actually she did it great 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 uh, uh what are, what are the greeks i want to see delta that right here and I was holding on to it for a while because I thought that the longer I held on to it, the more money I was going to get because the first day I got $60, the next day I got another 30. So I was like, okay, the more I hold on to it, the more money I'm going to get, right? No, wrong, honey. So I'm holding it. I have a couple of days until expiration and the more money I was going to get. I was trading, we're going to start with is Delta. So when I first started getting into options trading, I remember I had an option contract and I was holding on to it for a while because I thought that there's a no and the stock is really starting to go up like it went up it wasn't going anywhere I was like what was dropping this is what delta is the delta is the amount that an option price is expected to move based on one dollar increase in the actual stock so if the stock goes up one dollar essentially you would be adding that delta value to the price of your option contract um on call contracts the delta is going to be positive number between zero and one and on puts it's going to be a negative number between zero and negative one so remember that Delta is going to be positive for calls and it's going to be negative for puts. Okay. So here's an example. Let's say that you have a. Okay. Real quick. Uh, I'm going to go skip over his example, but. All right. Let me not here. Delta is an example. Let's say that you have a call option contract that's worth $3. All right. $3 per share, whatever. It's worth $3. You have a delta, all right, and you have a delta of 0 0.50. And theoretically, the stock is going to go up $1. So, in theory, the price of that $3 call option contract if your delta was 0.50. So the option is going to be worth 3.50. And theoretically, the stock is going to go up $1. So in theory, the price of that $3 call option contract is going to go up 50 cents if your delta was 0.50. So the option is going to be worth 3.50 as opposed to $3. Okay? So if your stock went up $1, then you would essentially get $50 if your delta was 0.50. Five. Oh. On the other side, if the stock dropped a dollar, so if the underlying stock dropped a dollar, then your <laughs> on the opposite side, if your stock dropped a dollar, then your option price would also drop that 50 cents. Okay, so your delta was 0.50, so it would go from being worth three dollars to two dollars and fifty cents due to your delta. And this is for a call. Now, if it was a put, it would essentially be the opposite, but just remember that a put is valuable when the stock falls and it's profitable when the stock rises. So it's really just 
And one trick that a lot of people use for Delta is they use Delta as a probability of their option expiring in the money. So if you have a stock that has a Delta of 0.8, then a lot of people would say you have an 80% chance of this option expiring in the money and uh, you'll be very profitable with it. So that's one way to... So yeah, that's... That's when I say kind of, okay, so I'm not sure if you were able to hear properly. I just kind of was looking at it. Uh, but essentially with all the information coming out, there's ways you can kind of essentially kind of cut corners to an extent. You know, uh, this is why I would say it's different than brushing over where you got all this information. For example, like Delta, where you essentially say, okay, I got a you know, 0.2 Delta um, and the stock goes up. 80 cents or 70 cents well that's not quite a dollar so i should just add what about 17 cents or about 16 cents to my contract um you know or, or 50 cents or whatever you know add that to the contract okay cool um but on the other end you can say you know what i'm not going to use it for that i'm going to use it more so just to say look um if i get a what you say if I got 20 delta, if I'm correct, if I got a 0.2 delta, I got an 80% chance of this finishing, if I'm correct, uh, out of the money. If I sold the contract, I'm sorry. They are, yeah, let's say you bought the contract. It's a 0.2 delta. I have, what's she saying? Bought, um, oh, sorry. An 80% chance of this finishing. And the money, let me see what she said one more time. So, so yeah, a lot of people would say you have an 80% chance of this option expiring in the money. They use Delta as a probability of their option expiring in the money. So if you have a stock that has a Delta of 0.8, then a lot of people would say you have an 80% chance of this option expiring in the money and uh you'll be very profitable with it so that's one way yeah yeah so let's say you got a long call if i'm correct and it has a 0.8 delta i said 80 percent chance that your call is going to finish off in the money for someone who sold you that contract there's a 20 percent chance of that finishing off in the money now you may say well why would somebody sell a contract at that maybe this person has collected all the gains or suffered all the losses that they want and they're basically and to an extent, hedging the position, saying, okay, this is my cutoff. I'm going to go ahead, sell this contract. Um, I made enough money. I'm going to take the profits. And in taking the profits, I'm going to sell a contract to someone and say, hey, you can come get my shares. Uh, you know, just give me this premium. Or, again, uh, I've lost this much. Um, I'm just ready to go ahead and get out of the position. And I want to set the price. Um, so I would just sell in the money call and just get out, you know, trust me. I had some in the money calls, the stock said I had at like $125, you know, and the stock is now at $75 and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to sell a 75. Uh, I guess that's at the money. I don't think I went like all the way in the money except when I was trading and I was making accidents. Man, I'm yo. Oh my gosh, I could have put myself in some serious shit, not knowing what I was doing, selling in the money calls. Because what was happening was the in the money calls were making money. 
So I'm selling calls in the money, not really realizing what I'm doing. It's basically saying that I will sell 100 shares of who knows, you know, Tesla in the video, whatever it is. Um, not even just thinking, just saying, okay, well, this contract is selling at this price. Oh my gosh, all this premium. I can, I can sell uh, NVIDIA to a dollar for somebody, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, if somebody would have assigned me right away. So you sell the contract and it's a crazy premium and then you just wait for it to drop and you, then you just buy it back. And, um, it's just complete madness, complete insanity. Um, but yeah, trust me, I've done it where I'm like, yo, man, I got this stock at 125 and now it's dropped down to 75. I'm just going to go ahead and sell a call at 75 and call it a wrap. So the call, I sell the call at 75. I'm sitting there. I'm not getting assigned. Now, the reason why I'm not getting assigned is very possible intrinsic value or uh, whatever. Uh, because, um, yeah, the I may have sold the strike price at 75, but then the contract may have been, I mean, you know, who knows? Let's, let's just say a dollar. A hundred, you know, times that by a hundred. So technically this person wants this to at least go to uh, $76. If this is a long call and I'm selling the short, uh, before they want to go to 76, at least before they, uh, exercise the contract. Cause they just want to be broken even, you know, they want to get that, that premium that they spent back. I mean, they literally, when they purchased the long call immediately went in the hole, the premium plus trading commissions and fees. You know what I'm saying? So they're like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and get this. And they're going to ride it out until it hits that intrinsic value. Intrinsic value, if I'm correct, actually doesn't have anything to do with. Uh, we can't. Here, let's look it up real quick. Um, doesn't have anything to do with like your premium. I believe it's just the strike price and the market price. If it's in the money, uh, then that's the intrinsic value. So um, yeah, let me see real quick if I can. But at the same time, I guess you want to just keep a mental note of the trading commissions and fees and the premium that you spent. You know, let me uh, see if I can find intrinsic value real quick. This this should be on like page one. Uh, this shouldn't be too hard to find. Um, in intrinsic six six ninety seven. No, that's the glossary. That's not what I want. What chapter? I gotta get some more. I gotta get some new books. Um, just some updated versions. Uh, so I'm gonna here. I'm just gonna read the definition. In intrinsic. Where did it go? Give me just one second. I'm right here. Yeah, this stuff is not lining up how I want, but I believe intrinsic value is in chapter four. Let me see real quick. I'll find it. Um, okay, here, real quick. Um, for anybody with option contracts, I'm right here. Um, buyer equals long equals holder equals owner pays premium. The cost of the contract to the seller. There is a debit to the account of the buyer when the premium is paid. The buyer opens a position with a debit to their account. Has the right to exercise buyer or sell the stock. So the debit, you end up, you end up down. 
All right. So as soon as you purchase this option contract, you're already down because you paid that premium. Um, seller equals short equals writer receives a premium from buyer. There is a credit to the account of the seller when the premium is received. The seller opens their position with a credit to his or her, you know, his or her account has obligations at exercise must buy or sell required contracts. All right. So went over that real quick. Uh, we can go over the calls and the puts. I will go over that. Give me just one second. I'm trying to find intrinsic value calls. Okay, so there's intrinsic value for the calls and for the puts. We'll go over them real quick. Intrinsic value. Intrinsic value is the in-the-money amount. A call has intrinsic value when the market price is above strike price. The amount of intrinsic value is found by subtracting the strike price from the market price. Again, these are calls. Options never have negative intrinsic value. Intrinsic value is always a positive amount or zero. Options that are in the are at the money or out of the money have an intrinsic value of zero. Buyers like calls to have intrinsic value. Sellers do not. A call that has intrinsic value at expiration will be exercised. During the lifetime of an option contract, buyers want the contract to move in the money. Sellers want the contract to move out of the money. So let's go ahead and go to puts. I'll just read the intrinsic value for that, which is going to be the opposite. But this is a conversation. There's no rush. Um, intrinsic value is the in the money amount. A put has intrinsic value when the market price is below the strike price. The amount of intrinsic value is found by subtracting the market price from the strike price. Options never have negative intrinsic value. It is always a positive number or zero. Buyers like options to have intrinsic value. Sellers do not. An option call or put that has intrinsic value at expiration will be exercised. Um, there's some other stuff we'll go into. Um, but so you want this to have intrinsic value plus a little bit more than that. Okay, so because you got intrinsic value doesn't even mean you broke even yet. That just means it's in the money. So if you got the contract at 30 and your premium was seven and the stock is at 31, you're you're you have intrinsic value of one or it's a it's value. Is it between zero and one? So I would say like point two or something, point zero two or something like that. Or wait, no, it's at 31. It, uh, you got it at the, the, the strike price is at 30. The underlying is at, it's a long call. The underlying is at 31. You have an intrinsic value of, was it 0 0.01? Let me see. I'm going to the calls. They say it's between, let's see. It's always a positive amount or zero. Okay, okay, so, it, okay, so it doesn't have to be between one. Okay, so it, it's a positive amount or one or zero this is a long call so if the strike price is at 30 uh, uh the underlying stock uh is at 31 the market price is at 31 um you have a premium of seven or five let's just keep it at five uh you have intrinsic value of one which is the market price minus your strike price however you paid five dollars for this contract so Technically, you're still down four. I don't know what it would be because it's. Let me see. You're still down 0 0.04 per contract. Again, there's a hundred contracts, so you're still down. So you, that's where the break even is at. Here, I'm gonna take a quick break. 
Uh, I got something I gotta do real quick. Um, I want to thank anybody and everybody who decided to stop by. I'm gonna be right back. Thank you so much. This is Chairman House of Barf. Introducing the Listener Support Program, feeling the future and quality of House of Barf. Dear loyal listeners, at the House of Barf, we strive to bring you the most engaging, informative, and entertaining content every day into the world of business, accounting, regulation, and finance. We strive to provide you with expert knowledge, practical tips, and thought-provoking discussions to help you excel in your financial endeavors. We are dedicated to fostering meaningful conversations, sharing valuable insights, and creating a community of like-minded individuals who are passionate about business, accounting, regulation, and finance. Producing high-quality content requires dedication, resources, and effort from a talented team of one, me, but in the future, you know, hopefully I'll have a team. That's why we are excited to introduce our listener support program. This initiative allows you, our cherished audience members, to play a pivotal role in shaping the future and the content and assuring House of Bar's sustainability. In the future, becoming a supporter, you will be able to enjoy a range of exclusive benefits. Benefits that I'm hoping to be able to bring eventually, early access to episodes, um, access to episodes that are not you know, public, uh, you know, that are not accessible to everyone, possibly even um, create better content. And then all those mistakes I make, maybe I'll put them in a separate episode. You'll be able to get some behind the scenes stuff um, uh, and other uh, exclusive um, um, things such as merchandise. Possibly I have, uh, you know, a children's book coming out, maybe able to offer that. Uh, Your support goes directly towards enhancing the quality of our content, expanding our reach, our research, and investing in new resources and technology to bring you even better experiences. Your contribution will help us continue to deliver thought-provoking discussions, captivating stories, and insightful... Oh, no, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Um, In the future, may possibly interview someone uh, that will keep you engaged and inspired join me us in shaping the future of house of barf by becoming a supporter today your generosity empowers us to keep our conversations alive and ensures that we can contribute to provide valuable content to audiences around the united states and hopefully in the future of the world to support us simply visit podcasters.spotify.com then you can get to House of Barf. Um, also, it is on Spotify. And um, support this podcast and become a supporter. And choose a membership tier that aligns with your preferences. Every contribution, no matter how small or how big, makes a meaningful impact and is deeply appreciated. Thank you for being an essential part of our journey. With your support, we can reach new heights and create content that truly resonates with you, our incredible listeners. God bless. Happy listening. I'm Chan Man. This is House of Barf. Again, if you would like, you can visit podcasters.spotify.com backslash pod backslash show backslash Chan 
hyphen man seven. And you can go to support this podcast and become a supporter today. Thank you. You can also reach me at c287gph at gmail.com. Thank you again. You have a wonderful day. God bless. Yo, 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 Shaman has a barf, man. What's popping, man? Appreciate anybody and everybody who decides they want to stop by and kick with your man. I appreciate it. Because I know this this shit ain't really put together the way it should be. And I'm probably not talking the way I should be. And, you know, um, so, hey, it is what it is. But I love y'all. I hope y'all love me back. I'm Chairman, and this is House of Barf. Uh, so we were just touching on intrinsic value and whatnot. So there's a difference between intrinsic value and then break even. Okay, so your money, your your option. So, for example, if we're using an example, oh gosh, just dropped a bunch of stuff. If we're using an example, you know, you got the stock. I mean, you got the strike price at thirty. You got uh, the market price. The stock price is at thirty-one. Contract is at five. Right. So, if you bought the contract, strike price thirty. You paid $5, your break even is really 35. So it could be in the money, right? You bought the long call, you're one in the money, okay? So we're there, but I haven't hit broke even yet. So let's go over this break even real quick for calls. Uh, here, real quick, we'll go over a couple other terms real quick. I'm gonna go over in the money, at the money, out of, out of the money. And there's this other term, parity, that I'm not exactly uh, familiar with, but we'll go over it real quick. And where's break even? Okay, here we go. All right. We've been over this before. We're going to do it again, okay? All right. We're going to do this real quick. All right. Calls. For both long and short calls, the definition is as follows. Real quick. Let me see. Let's just, let's just, let's just start real quick. Uh, okay, real quick. There are two types of option contracts. Calls and puts. Okay. All right. Calls. An investor may buy calls, go long, or sell calls, go short. The features of each side of a call contract are noted below. Long call. A call owner buys the right to buy 100 shares of a specific stock at the strike price before the expiration if he chooses to exercise. Now, this is American-style stocks. This is something that I think is like the stupidest, and I, I would love to figure out why option american option contracts do this uh here i got me some uh, deer park water right here i'll take a sip with y'all um i don't know why in the cotton picking usa that they decide that buyers can exercise any time to expiration you have to go to the european style of options where it's like, I believe it's the European style, uh, where the date is the date. So, for example, uh, let's say, for example, I say that let's just ABC stock is not going to be above this price. I say I'm selling, I'm selling a short call that ABC stock currently is at it's at fifty dollars, and I sell. A short call saying that it won't be above 45 in the next 30 days. Right? I go sell that contract. 
And I sell that contract for seven, eight dollars. Most likely, I'm going to get it signed right away because it's going to be um, the intrinsic value plus uh, they they got their premium back. They're up two or three dollars. They're going to take that. Boom. You got to watch out for these people because they're smart. And you're like, what the hell? Why did I get assigned? Oh, oh, that's why. It, it was at break even. It had intrinsic value. Oh, okay. So they, they, that was just a quick come up for them based off my stupidity of selling that contract. Um, so um, that's, that's just one thing that irks me about because they can exercise against you anytime before expiration. So there's no saying that this contract is not going to be above, you know, the stock is at 50. You say it's not going to be above 45 or 40 or whatever by this date. And you think that you're going to hold on to that date. You could get assigned the next day. You got 100 shares of ABC stock in your portfolio. And you're wondering why I didn't mean to acquire all that. Now I got to go ahead and try to hurry up and sell it. And hopefully you're at a profit. Uh, that's just one thing that throws me off again, real quick. Uh, the, this part, um, long call, a call buyer owns the right to buy a hundred shares of a specific stock at the strike price before the expiration. If they choose to exercise, I think we're giving the buyers a little bit too much, uh, control. However, people would disagree considering saying that they have time decay Delta, so many other things against them. It there's, it's, it's almost counterproductive to allow a buyer to have to stick to expiration price because with all the delta and and, and uh theta and everything they would lose a lot a lot of percentage of the time you know um however that's just the way we do it i don't know short call a call writer seller has an obligation to sell 100 shares of specific stock at the strike price if the buyer exercises a contract. So you are obligated. You could be sitting there one day saying, oh, yeah, we're good. We got, this, you know, uh, we're good. Um, you know, I got the I got the strike price at 230. Right now it's at 233. But I sold the contract at seven. You know what I'm saying? But it's in the money. And anytime you're in the money, you can be assigned. Now, would the person assign the contract, considering that they're down, Possibly they may say, you know what, I want to just go ahead and, and just get the get the underlying so that they can do whatever strategy they want to do or whatever. I don't know. You got to think about eligibility and stuff like that, you know, so who, who knows? So, yeah. Uh, and it goes the same for puts. Uh, an investor may buy puts, go long or sell puts, go short. The features of each side of the puts are noted below. Uh, a long put, a put buyer owns the right to sell 100 shares of, of a specific stock at a strike price before expiration if they choose. Uh, short put, a put writer seller has the obligation to buy 100 shares of, of a specific, specific stock uh, at the strike price if the buyer exercises the contract. Um, all right, so real quick, we go to fast forwarding. In the money, calls. Okay, this is calls. A call is in the money when the market price exceeds the strike price. A buyer will exercise calls that are in the money at expiration. Buyers want options to be in the money. Sellers do not. At the money, 
A call is at the money when the market price equals the strike price. A buyer will not exercise contracts that are at the money at expiration. Sellers want at the money contracts at expiration. Buyers do not. Sellers then keep the premium with, without obligation to perform. So if I sold a contract at 75 and it's at 75, there's not a chance that I'm that I should get assigned to that contract considering it's at the money. So uh, out of the money, this is long. This is calls. I'm sorry. Calls. A call is out the money when the market price is lower than the strike price. A buyer will not exercise calls that are out of the money at expiration. Sellers want contracts to be out of the money. Buyers do not. Sellers then keep the premium without obligations to perform. So let's say strike price is at 75 and market price is at 70. I'm chilling now. I'm chilling. Expiration is tomorrow. I, I may not even close the contract down. I may just say, okay, we only got a few more hours left. And I'm just going to go ahead and let this thing expire worthless. You know what I'm saying? And it, I, I could have collected 99% of it. I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to keep it simple for my mental capacity. I'm not because I could try to close it. And this is the dumb thing is you can't close a contract at zero. So if it's at zero or below a penny, you can't close it at that price. If, as far as if I'm correct. So you have to at least close it at a penny. So if it's below a penny, then I might as well just go ahead and just let it expire worthless instead of I would actually be losing money. And below a penny, you can go below a penny. You, uh, as far I've seen up to about four decimal places. The fourth decimal place that was at the thousandth, let's see, tens, hundredth, thousandth, uh, ten thousandth. So it can. I've seen it go up to ten thousandth. Uh, I've seen it go to the thousandth. It would be like point zero zero five. You know what I'm saying? So at that point, you either are going to go ahead and buy the contract back at a penny or just let it expire worthless. Um, all right, let's see this parity. An option is at parity when the premium equals intrinsic value. Okay, that's what I'm kind of talking about. Parity. So you want the option to be at parity. That's when the premium equals intrinsic value. Okay, so the, so you have intrinsic value when, um, and we already went over the intrinsic value real quick, um, but to touch on it again, intrinsic value is the in the money amount. A call has intrinsic value when the market price is above the strike price. The amount of tr intrinsic value is found by subtracting the strike price from the market price options never have a negative intrinsic value intrinsic value is always a positive num amount or zero options that are at the money or out of the money have an intrinsic value of zero buyers like calls uh, to have intrinsic value sellers do not a call that has intrinsic value at expiration will be exercised during the lifetime of the option buyers want the contract to move in the money sellers want the contract to move out of the money and Option is at parity when the premium equals intrinsic value. That's what you want. You want not only in the money, because again, going back to the example, you uh, have strike price 30. Um, the stock is now at, uh, uh, you sold the contract for $7. Uh, the, the, the underlying, the market price is at 35. So it's in the money by five. But you still are down on your premium. So once the um, 
premium equals intrinsic value. Okay, so once if 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 you paid a premium of seven and the intrinsic value is now seven, meaning that now your strike is 30 and now your parity amount, I need to put parity. Do they even have parity on uh, the settings? I want to see if they have parity at settings because that's crucial. That's like what I want to see. I, I, I'm not even going to do this all right now. Let me see real quick if they have parity. I doubt it. Uh, you can add the little like theta, beta, deltas, in the money, out of the money, profit loss. I want to see if they have parity. Because that's the price I want to see. Uh, I see disparity index. That's not what I want. Because essentially you just want to say to yourself, okay, bet. Now I've reached uh, parity where, um, again, my premium equals intrinsic value. My intrinsic value is 7. My uh, parity is 7. Okay, bet. Now at least I'm at break even, which I would believe. Let me uh, see. The break even is the point at which the investor neither makes nor loses money for calls. The break even is found by adding the strike price and the premium for the call buyer. The contract is profitable above the break even for the call. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, for the call buyer, the contract is profitable above the break even. For the call seller, the contract is profitable. Um, below the break even. Okay, so you got the break even. You got the strike price plus premium. All right, for a call. So if the if the strike price is thirty, premium is five. Your break even is thirty five. So to help yourself or help ourselves, when my intrinsic value meets my uh, premium, essentially I'm at parity. Now, let me think, is there any situation where that, like, you're not broken even at that point? If we got the stock at 30 and um, paid a premium of five, my break even's 35. Uh, my intrinsic value right now is five. Uh, and if I paid 5,000 premium, yeah, so we're good. We're broken even. We're at parity. If I'm correct, I could be. Let's see real quick. This is what House of Barford is. I'm going to do some, uh, let's see. Uh, all right let me see uh let me see um parity versus break even no i'm not talking about a silly spoof parity let me try this parity versus break even It looks like it's the same. Um, what is the difference between parity and break-even option contracts? Um, let me see. It doesn't look like there's too many articles. On this topic, um, I'll look some more into it. But if I'm correct, I mean, essentially, parity and break-even should be pretty similar. I guess you could kind of separate them, just basically saying uh, the intrinsic value and the premium um, are equal. 
Uh, you still have your strike. Uh, you essentially, I guess, broke your premium even. But maybe the option's not completely broken even. Um, let me see. Let me. I just want to kind of think about that real quick. So, I get a contract at 30. Um, um, uh, let me see. Um, mm. I have to see. I have to see about that. So basically the premium has been paid. But is there any way that I'm not broken even? I, I'm going to look that up because that's what I believe it is. All right, let's just go to puts real quick. All right, puts um, in the money. A put is in the money when the market price is lower than the strike price. A buyer will exercise puts that are in the money at expiration. Buyers want in the money contracts. Sellers do not at the money. A put is at the money when the market price equals the strike price. A buyer will not exercise contracts that are at the money at expiration. Sellers want at the money contracts. Buyers do not. Out of the money put. A put is out of the money when the market price is higher than the strike price. A buyer will not exercise puts that are out of the money at expiration. Sellers want out of the money contracts. Buyers do not. Intrinsic value. We went over this already. Intrinsic value is the money amount is, is the in the money amount. A put has intrinsic value when the market price is below the strike price. The amount of intrinsic value is found by subtracting the market price from strike price. Options never have a negative intrinsic value. It is always a positive number or zero. Buyers like options to have intrinsic value. Sellers do not. An option, call or put, that has intrinsic value at expiration will be exercised. Uh... Break even. The break even is the point at which the investor neither makes nor loses money. For puts, the break even is found by subtracting the premium from the strike price. For the put buyer, the contract is profitable below the break even at expiration. For the put seller, the contract is profitable above the break even. Um, okay. Uh, real quick, I want to touch. I just want to touch on this real quick. Option premiums. As stated earlier, the price of an option contract is known as the premium, both bid and, and if I need to start using terms like that, the cost of the option contract, because it's called premium, but sometimes I just use the term because uh, it's starting to become second nature for me. But if I need to say, I'll work on saying things like cost or things like that, if that helps. Um, both bid and ask prices are quoted in cents with a minimum price interval of 0.05 for five cents. Uh, an option buyer will pay the ask or offer price, and the option seller will receive the bid price. An option's premium reflects two types of values, intrinsic value or the amount which the option is in the money, and, and time value, which is the market's perceived worth of the time remaining to expiration. All right. Uh, um, factors affecting premium. The premium of an option is affected by many factors, including volatility, amount of intrinsic value, time remaining until expiration, and interest rates. So I'm going to go ahead and stop there for right now with that stuff. Um, and they see this is stuff I kind of want to go into a little bit. Uh, protecting a long stock position. Um, yeah, because um, so with some of these contracts essentially so there's kind of a couple of things i know uh, i think we can i'm gonna kind of get the calls and the push down uh with the intrinsic value and the parity and the break even um the main thing is if you 
uh, you know, just like keeping it simple. Let's just say you got a long call. You're going to go buy a call. You're bullish on this stock. You want to buy a long call. You buy the long call at 100. Right? I mean, I'm sorry, strike price 100, right? Right now, the stock is at, let's say, what are we going to do? Are we going to do in the money, at the money, out of the money? So that's a good question because you want to think about the premiums. If the call is in the money, the premiums will probably be a little bit higher because then you could honestly just exercise against the um, the seller right away. All they basically be doing is collecting premium uh, and selling you the con- the, the shares. Uh, then you can have at the money, which may not be assigned right away, considering you got to consider um, intrinsic value parity break even. Um, so that may give you a little bit more time to decide whether you want to exercise this or not before expiration. And then if you tell the out of the money, uh, the, uh, premiums are probably going to be, uh, less expensive. Uh, but you're basically, I guess, essentially paying for time. Uh, so you just want to think about that. So let's just say we're going to get a long call and let's just say we're going to get it in the money. All right. I want this stock right now. Right. Um, so that's just the stuff you want to consider. I, I strike price. The stock right now is at one hundred and ten dollars per share. Uh, I'm going to sell a call at one hundred. If if it's at one hundred and ten, I don't want to pay a premium higher than ten, most likely. But what am I going to end up doing? I'm going to end up paying a premium of two dollars and fifty cents or some shit. Right. Or what I mean is twelve dollars and fifty cents or eleven dollars and fifty cents. I I want that. I want to get it as close to ten as possible. You got to remember, there's some wolves out there. There's some sharks out there. They're keeping track of all the Delta, Theta, Vega, Gamma, Rho, all that stuff. And they come up with some really good prices. Some of these sellers and buyers and whatnot. Really good. So you're like, okay, stock is at one ten. All right, so then you say, okay, well, what if I get it at 99? Can I get a, con- a contract at 11? Well, can I get it at 98? Can I get a contract at 12? Okay, and then you're trying to say, okay, well, if I get it at 101, can I get the contract at 9? So you're sitting there playing a the game because you really just want to get this stock right now at the money. Uh, you could go to the market, right? Could go to the market and just buy it, right? But you're kind of sitting there saying, well, I got this strike price in mind that I want to, I-, I want this strike price. The seller wants the premium. You want that strike price. You can't see yourself, I guess, buying this um, more than, uh, I don't know. The I can't see myself getting it more than this price. I was watching this stock years ago. I saw it at 75. It's just irking my nerves that I didn't get in. So I want to get that strike price. But if you want that strike price, you're going to have to pay a premium for it. So at least you can go to your friends and brag, hey, look at the strike price I got this stock at. Now, on the cost basis, it says 75 but I know you got that shit at $75 plus $25 premium. So really, you got it at $100. But it's at $110, so you're up $10 per share. So congratulations on that. You know. Um, so yeah, that's just... Uh, crap, you know, you know I lose my train of thought. Um, that's more so what you want to have in mind is the, uh, the premium. So essentially, keeping it simple, you... you Go to a store, something's not in the store, you want it, and not only do you want it, you want it for the price that it is today, right? There's a, you, there's a bottle of Thousand Island dressing that just came out uh, that just is 
the best thousand island i mean literally it tastes like it came straight from an island it's just delicious by the way i used to have a, a friend that made some pretty good homemade thousand island dressing regardless you go to the store the shelves are clear you want to go ahead and get this thousand island and you want to get it for the price it is today you don't want to get it for the price it is tomorrow because if you get it for tomorrow the price is going to be gouged because there's no thousand islands so obviously there's a high demand for this so you want it for the price it is today so you go to the store clerk you say hello i want to get this bottle of thousand dollar dressing it's a dollar today i want to get it it's not on the shelf they say sure we'll give it to you for a dollar today but we're going to have to charge you a 25 percent premium you say okay so it's going to be a dollar 25 so what if it comes in tomorrow and it's less than dollar 25 well then you just lose out on your dollar twenty-five. You don't have to buy it. You just lose out on the dollar twenty-five you put down today. Well, if it comes here tomorrow and it's more than dollar twenty-five, well then you can buy it at a dollar twenty-five. So if it's three dollars and fifty cents, uh, what happens? You get it at a dollar twenty-five. If it's five dollars, you get it at a dollar twenty-five. What if it's a hundred dollars? You get it at a dollar twenty-five. So what if it drops down to zero dollars? You have the option to buy it at a dollar twenty-five, or you just lose your dollar twenty-five, and you can go buy it off the shelf. So then I have to lose my dollar twenty-five and go buy it. Hey, it's at now. It's at the market. It's at the market. You can get it. You know. So it's up to you. What do you want to do? Well, I'm gonna go ahead and put down my dollar twenty-five, and I'm gonna come back tomorrow, and it better be more than a dollar twenty-five. Say, all right, there's no guarantee on that, but sure. And you come back tomorrow, and how much is it? It's a dollar thirty-five. You say, bet. I'm glad I made that decision. You know, that's all it is. You just want to keep it real simple. Now, on the other end, there's people out there who got, they go to the store and they went in there and they said, Oh my gosh, thousand dollar dressing is it's a dollar, and they bought up all the thousand dollar dressings. They bought them all up, put them in their basket, and the cash clerk said, ma'am, no more than two per customer. And you say, man, I need all these. They say, fine, ring them up. And you took a hundred of them out. You took a hundred thousand dollar dressings because you need them. And you know that the price is going to go up. So you, now you're out there telling people, hey, I got thousand dollar dressings. For $1.25. You know this price is about to go up. Or $1.50 or something. So you're already charging a premium. People say okay if it gets up to $1.50. I want to get it from you for $1.25. If it doesn't. I'll just screw the 50 cents I paid you. Um, per bottle. And I'll just go ahead and lose the 50 cents. And I'll just go to the market and go get it. And you say okay cool. So you're selling contracts. On your underlying. You, you haven't sold one underlying yet. You still are holding on to all those bottles. You know what I'm saying? You haven't sold one underlying yet. You just are selling contracts on it and you're charging premiums. Okay? Hey, I'm letting you know, hey, you can get a contract, $1.25, $1.50. People are like, yeah, let me get it because I've been hearing lately that for some reason there's a thousand island crave and I just want to go ahead and get a couple bottles. So let me get two bottles at $1.25 each. All right? Bet. You know what I'm saying? Remember, you got that for a dollar. Now you collected a 25 cent premium. You know what I'm saying? And you still got it. Now it would be nice if this is the point I'm trying to get to real quick. Now this is just me babbling. Where I don't even purchase 
the hundred bottles, a thousand. I'm sorry, I'm still using this thousand dollar. I don't even purchase the hundred bottles. The hundred bottles at the store. Okay, I'm just calling the store up. Yo, how much is a thousand dollar bottles again? Still a dollar, Chan. All right, bet. Thank you. Hey, yeah. Does anybody want a contract for a dollar twenty-five, dollar fifty? I still don't have it. Now, if I sell that contract and it reaches that price, dollar fifty, right? Now I need to go to the store and say, okay, cool. How much is that bottle? Uh, that bottle, of thousand dollar. It's at a dollar sixty. Oh shit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> or it's uh, it's at a dollar thirty-five. Okay, cool, cool. So I sold it for a dollar fifty. And I got to go buy it for $1.35 because somebody called me out and was like, yo, I want my bottles $1,000, man. And you said if it goes past $1.25, you're going to sell me like 10 bottles. You say, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, it, it reached. It reached. You know what I'm saying? And now they're ready. But they're probably not going to call you out until it reaches break even. If they paid you $1.50, they're going to wait and say, okay, if this goes above $1.50, uh, then I'm going to go ahead and call them out on it because uh, – you know, it was a dollar, straight price a dollar. I paid 50 cents in premium. I just want to at least cover that. So if it goes up to a dollar 65, I want to get it at dollar 50. If it goes up to a dollar 35, I'm not going to really be pressed. I'm like, okay, cool. It's not really reaching the price. Just forget about it. I'll just go ahead and lose the 50 cents and um, I'll just go get it at the market at a dollar 35 or something. I don't know. Kind of like that. That's the main, the call. Just, I, I probably complicated it. But I'm just trying to say, I'm just trying to keep it real simple. Okay, it's not, it's not as complicated with all the, the intrinsic values and the parities and everything. Essentially, all that comes up to is the strike price plus the premium you paid. Once you hit a point where the price at market has reached your uh, strike price plus premium, then you're at break even. And once you hit break even, then at that point, you're starting to make money. You're starting to make money on your on your option contract. You're doing okay. If it's below it, then you're losing money. Um, now, with the contracts, also, they can expire worthless. So, the contract could be down $1,000. If you put up a premium of $1.50, and you just want that thing to just expire worthless, like, screw it. I, I, yeah, I paid $150 for that contract. I'm just going to go ahead and let it expire worthless and lose premium. And you can it could, you could see it, and it's down five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars. It, if I'm correct, that really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, now it matters if you're a seller or a writer of a contract, but as a buyer, if you said that hey, it's going to go past this price, and it didn't reach that price, and it's going below and down below and down below, um, you could just seriously just let the contract expire worthless and and lose premium. You'll just lose the whatever you put up. Um, all right, so that's the calls, but then on the other side, there's the puts, which is vice versa. Essentially, um, you want to go sell a contract, uh, not sell a contract, but you basically are saying, I'm going to sell the underlying, again, without really even owning it, but you sell the put, saying, uh, I have the uh, right to sell 100 of these shares, and you want this price to go below because you got to buy and cover it. So, uh, again, using the example of, I don't know, let's anything we'll pick. Um, I've used the, the, uh, I've used a dress example before, but let's just say a car, right? So I want to sell a car, you know, cause I think the price is going to go down. I'm bearish on this. So right now the car is $10,000, right? 
Uh, and I think this, the, the car value um, is going to drop. It could drop for many different reasons, but I think it's going to drop. Now, you go ahead and you can sell that car to someone else, and I promise at a later date, I'm going to come back and buy it. it uh, there's, there's just, that, that probably doesn't work out the, the correct way because, again, this is option contracts because uh, you could just let the contract expire worthless and lose premium. Uh, but let's just say I'll, I'll come back and I'll buy it at a later date. Um, so the car gets sold to somebody else for $10,000 and the, the person who sold the car still needs to be compensated. The car is sold, but they haven't been compensated. This position needs to be closed. So you say, okay, cool. I'll come back in a month and your goal is to buy anything less than that $10,000. You just want to make a little money on it. And you come back and they say, yo, how much is the car? And they say it's 9500 You say, okay, cool, bet. They sold it for ten. I bought it back for 9500 at close. I'm good. I came out uh, $500 on top. Uh, real quick, the put seller is basically saying that it won't drop down to this price. It's going to stay above that price. So they want it to stay above uh, the um the the strike price they don't want it to drop down and not to consider uh premiums and whatnot um real quick uh before i head out um with these option contracts and everything there's ways i'm pretty sure forex stocks all this stuff this is this is off topic now i'm just going on a different topic there's ways to protect yourself Okay, so there's different ways. There's like order types. You know, you got your market orders, your limit orders, uh, stop orders, uh, trailing stop orders. Um, and I don't really want to brush over them, but then you also have your hedge orders um, that you can use uh, to kind of protect yourself from all these, from the volatility and everything. And you may lose track of something. Uh, we probably should touch on that. Uh, one thing about hedging and whatnot, if I'm correct, I could be wrong. I think I, I probably am wrong. Hedging is a strategy that people would not get for years or even order types for years. You know, they'll put in a market order to buy a stock, hold on to that stock for four or five years, and then put in a market order to sell it. Didn't use no limit, didn't use no stops, no trailing stops, nothing. Now, on the other end, hedging, um, you know, putting in a position an opposite or uh, an offsetting position to protect yourself, uh, protect your gains and your losses. You know, um, I don't want to just brush over these. I definitely want to um, kind of touch on them. Uh, but essentially, uh, I think you could use both. You could use one or the other. Uh, you could put your stop loss in and then put your hedge in. If you want to as well, um, or you just use one, like, for example, if you get a lot of gains on uh, an option or something, um, then you could go ahead. I, I think this may work. I'm not sure. I, I don't know how much it will work with Forex or whatnot or, or what stocks. You know, let's just say you're up on a stock. You want to protect those gains. Then you could go ahead and put the hedge in, you know, um, essentially saying, like, uh, if this goes above this price, go ahead and start shorting it, you know, 
which means if the stock keeps going up, then your long position is going to keep making money and your short's going to. So essentially, you kind of locked in those gains. Um, now, I don't know how it works with Forex and whatnot. I'm still learning. But I think with Forex, at some point, you're going to want to like double down or something. So you're going to want to because essentially you're just going to be stuck at that price. If you made $200 and you put your hedge in, then as you're going up to $300, $400, your your hedge position is going down $300, $400. So essentially all you did was just lock in that $200 gain. But I think with Forex, at some point, you're going to want to kind of like, you know, if it keeps going up, you're going to want to put more behind the long position so that, you know, so now you've got yourself at a two to one. You know, uh, something like that. And don't quote me. I'm just now learning about Forex. Uh, with the option, you basically set your losses, you know, or your, your gains, whatever. You're like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and cap it out here. Uh, if it gets assigned, then it should close up my contract. I, right now, I'm even kind of losing myself. My brain is starting to go into this whirlwind that I'm even losing myself. Uh, so this may be a good time to go ahead and just chalk it up and we can come back later. But yeah, the order types couple things order types risk analysis hedging are a few things that it's like very important to touch on i don't want to just brush over them so i'll probably uh just write this topic down and we'll just come back to it later um i also say you know you know don't get too wrapped up around because what you can end up doing because you got to remember you can get wrapped up around these order types and hedging and you'll end up putting yourself in a position where you keep losing Considering the fact that they're going to keep hitting your stop losses or whatever it is, or your take profits, and you know what I'm saying? It's going to keep hitting these, and you're going to keep losing because there's one thing you kind of can't see, which is the spread, the premium you paid. So you're already in the hole because you've got to pay the market makers um, and all these people uh, for you know trading these, these funds. So you, all, you already end up in the hole a little bit, you know, to say, and then you got your stop losses and everything that are kind of like, you know, putting the parameters on this thing. So you're always taking a $20 loss, $30 loss, $40 loss, $50 loss, you know, so you want to consider that premium that you paid, even if it's Forex stocks, which is that spread, that spread right there. So you automatically just are already in the hole. Just imagine if you bought a contract long, you pay the spread and you paid the premium. So you're already in that hole boom boom you know what i'm saying so you just want to keep like a lot of that in mind as well now uh i don't know how i would describe the difference real quick between a hedge and a order type uh and how you could use them both together um i'm I'm trying to think um you could definitely play around with it we'll come back to it uh, I want to thank anybody and everybody who decided to stop by and kick it with your mans. I appreciate it. I'm going to go ahead and just take a little break real quick. I'll probably just be sitting here um, just probably doing a little bit more research. Uh, but, yeah, thank you for stopping by. Um, I don't think there's anything, anything else right now. Uh, if I do, I'll start I'll re- start recording again later. Uh, thank you so much. I'm Chairman. This is House of Barf. Blah. I am thrilled to introduce you to an exciting new storybook journey that I believe will capture your imagination. Allow me to present Langston Mangston's Kool-Aid Stand Adventure.
a compelling short story that promises to transport you to a world of interest, excitement, and learning. The title of the book is Langston Mason's Coolamate Stand Adventure by Chandler Hayes. In a world of colorful imagination and captivating stories, a new children's book has emerged to empower our young minds with crucial life lessons, life skills, and financial literacy. Langston Mason's Coolamate Stand Adventure is a cheering short story written by a talented black author who understands the importance of equipping our youth in the early stages of life the tools they need to navigate the realm of money, savings, and smart choices. Meet Langston Mingston and his imaginary best friend, Zonky, a pink elephant, two curious souls who embark on an adventure around the vibrant landscape of Wichita, Kansas, where Langston Mingston sets out to accomplish multiple goals and is met with obstacles that he must overcome. Langston Mingston and Zonky discover valuable lessons of talking about finances in the home in order to gain knowledge. Langston Mingston, with a little bit of confidence, the guidance of supportive parents, the help of community members like Mr. Tiller, and his imaginary best friend Zonky, Langston Mingston learns about the value of money and how to save, the importance of making thoughtful spending decisions, the significance of thinking outside the box when met with challenges with money and the joys of sharing with others through relatable experiences and emerging and and engaging storytelling young readers are introduced to the fundamental concepts of money such as earning saving and spending responsibly Langston Mason set savings goals teaching children the importance of planning for future needs and dreams the book celebrates diversity and the different perspectives on money shedding light on its role in different people's lives. The characters' interactions emphasize the joys of serving others, the gift of sharing, and making a positive impact in their community. The pages of Langston Mason's Coolamate Stand Adventure come to life with vibrant illustrations. The colorful and imaginative visuals not only captivate young readers, but also enhance their understanding of complex financial concepts. Langston Mason's Coolamate Stand Adventure is coming soon to bookstairs and online realtors. It is a must-have addition to any child's library, fostering essential life skills while sparking the joy of reading. Empower the young minds in your life with the gift of financial literacy and imagination. Join Langston Mason, Zonky, family, and friends on their extraordinary journey of running a drink stand to set them on the path of a brighter future. Your opinion means a great deal to me. I would be honored if you would consider exploring Langston Mason's Coolamate Stand Adventure and sharing your thoughts. Your feedback could play an invaluable role in shaping the future of this project. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to discuss the book further, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Your support in spreading the word about Langston Mason's Coolamate Stand Adventure would mean the world to me and I deeply appreciate your consideration. I am a passionate advocate for financial literacy. Me, um, Chandler Hayes, um, and and am excited to join the community of storytellers with a background in finances. I am driven to inspire children to embark on their own adventures of learning and discovery through the power of literature. Langston Mason's Coolamate Stand Adventure is a heartfelt endeavor to promote financial literacy in a fun and accessible way.
As a black author, I'm committed to providing children of all backgrounds with the tools for success, and I am proud to contribute to a more financially informed generation. Thank you for taking the time to explore this advertisement, and I look forward to the possibility of sharing this extraordinary literature adventure with you. Please feel free to contact me. Uh, You can reach me at the email c287gph at gmail.com. All right. Thank you. Warmest regards. Have a great day. God bless.